You are listening to Your First 100K, the number one podcast for Christian entrepreneurs, coaches, and business owners who want time freedom and financial freedom so that they can provide for their families, travel the world, and give back to the less fortunate. If that's you, then sit back and stay tuned in because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Joseph Warren. I started my first multi-million dollar business at age 19 and wasted away my 20s trying to find happiness through money, success, and pleasure. I made millions, but I still didn't feel happy or fulfilled until I learned the real secrets of success. So the big question is this, how can Christian entrepreneurs like us who didn't give up on our dreams build a highly profitable six to seven figure business without being unethical, doing it all ourselves and neglecting our family and our faith? Well, that is the question. And this podcast will give you the solutions and strategies you've been looking for. Thanks for spending time with me today. If you're new here, then welcome. I have a free 10-day training waiting for you over at first100k.com. Again, go to first100k.com to grab your free 10-day training. Are you a dad over 40? Are you overeating, overdrinking, or failing your family? Brother, if you're overweight, watching porn, or drinking more than once a week, then listen up. If you're struggling in your marriage or finances, you've lost your power as a man. What's even worse is that other men can smell weakness on you. When a man lacks confidence, he stinks of weakness. People could smell it on him a mile away. People and opportunities will avoid him because he's carrying a deadly disease called powerlessness. Remember back when you used to feel invincible, you were in your power, when you were unstoppable, back when you were the man? But how do you feel now, brother? Are you tired all the time, unmotivated, stressed, worried about the future? So what the heck changed? What happened to you? I'll tell you, you became undisciplined. You've been slipping for years, haven't you? You eat like crap, you half-ass your workouts, your health is slipping, your finances are slipping, your marriage is slipping, your parenting is slipping, your confidence is slipping. A pile of slips leads men to a big fall. How do I know? Because I'm you, brother. You are me, I am you. Brother, you're out of power. I'm in my power. Let me help you get your power back. Apply for our shredded father's brotherhood where husbands, dads, and businessmen over age 40 are getting shredded and staying ripped for life. Go to shreddedfathers.com. Limited spots are available. Brother, your wife and kids are waiting for you to step up and lead them. Brother, wake up. Move. Today, my featured guest is Corey Poirier, and he was raised by a single mother. He grew up in a small town, barely graduated high school. A teacher even gave him a 49 plus one. He battled anxiety and hypochondria in his early 20s. So he struggled just like you, Startup Nation. Since those days, he has become a multiple-time TEDx speaker, the host of three top-rated interview shows, founder of The Speaking Program, and he has been featured in multiple television specials. He's a columnist for Entrepreneur Magazine, Forbes Magazine. He's also interviewed over, ready, 5,000 
of the world's top leaders while building a multiple six-figure business himself in a very niche market. That's what we're going to speak about today. How did he do it? How can you apply those same skill sets and strategies into your business to hit your first 100K this year? He is also the founder of the newly launched Blue Talks Live. So we're going to get into that with him. Uh, you can find him at thatspeakerguy.com, thatspeakerguy.com. Corey, welcome to your first 100K. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess on one hand, uh, somebody asked me recently, what does the 49 plus one mean? Because I guess in their school system, it wasn't necessarily a 50%. And in our school system, it was. Uh, so what that means, the gap there is that uh, I didn't really technically graduate high school. And so how that comes into play is one of the teachers gave me that number to let me know that he had to give me the 1%. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, and I don't know if he bumped me up to 49 or if I literally, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, I should have bought a lottery ticket if I landed right on 49. I wonder if he gave me like if I was 47, he gave me the 49 plus one to get me to the passing point. But I'll tell you, uh, Joseph, that that's a very significant moment in my life because it, it basically, it was like he was trying to give me this, this thing, you don't get to coast by in life. I'm giving you a gimme, but it's up to you to decide what you do with that. But also, it's that moment where you realize truly that you didn't officially graduate high school. Mm -hmm. And, but the other side to it is it reminds me of that quote that I've said many times, and I'm sure I've heard from somebody else, that it's irrelevant where you start. It's what you do with it and where you end, and not even where you end, but, but where you get on the way that matters. And so here's a guy who, as you mentioned, grew up in a small town, single mother, so we didn't have a lot of money, uh, didn't really graduate high school, and I was able to still make something work. And so it reminds me that um, it's, you know, it's not just about school smarts, for instance. It's also just because you've had a setback doesn't mean it's the end of the world. I will add, because be, it wouldn't be full disclosure not to add, but I did go to business college after that, and I went three years roughly, like I went... Uh, one full year program, then I went to separate courses for a year, and then I went to an entrepreneurial program. But why I bring that up is the two, actually all three of those, I did in excess of 80%, if you go with percentages, uh, in everything I did. And what was the difference? I was passionate about business. I wasn't passionate about high school. So the full disclosure is it's not like I'm saying, it's like somebody said I didn't graduate high school and then look what I was able to do. I'm saying I did go to business college. But you know, it still was the, the thing of that I barely, did, I almost didn't get into it because of the fact that I barely graduated. And I wouldn't have got into university, obviously, with a 49 plus one. No, so, definitely not. So I really get that. And Startup Nation, you know, uh, my good friend now um, on my other show, he was just on Tim Story, a uh, big spiritual time leader, especially on the West Coast. He's considered pastor to the stars, Oprah's and, you know, all those, uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr., et cetera, some of his clients. Anyway, he was just on that show, so go check that out. But he speaks about, uh, you know, your setback is, is your comeback. Mm. And, and, and really what that looks like. And, and you just spoke about that, Corey, uh, that it doesn't matter where you started or you were set back in life from the beginning, you get to choose your comeback. You get to create that startup nation. So it, when that happens, when that shift will happen for you is when you finally surrender all the excuses, all the reasons why you can't, and you get decisive and choose why you can. 
and you say, this is what I'm going to do no matter what. I don't know how yet, but I'll figure it out. And I'm going to surround myself with other people that are of that mindset. So I, I just want to speak that inspiration into you. Corey, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. So I, I, you know, one of the things that I share every now and then, but I certainly don't share it frequently, and I haven't shared it far and wide, is that for a number of years, i.e. about two years, uh, I battled generalized anxiety. And that actually became uh, hypochondria for about another, well, for two years, roughly again. So about four years, because obviously when you have hypochondria, you still have the anxiety. So for about four years, I battled the two of them. And I don't think a lot of people would know that. Uh, and, not, and not because I won't share it if somebody brings it up, because I think stuff like anxiety and mental health, I mean, uh, I think we need to probably speak it and talk about it more rather than it being such a negative stigma. But yeah, so I would say that's a thing that a lot of people don't know about my backstory. I really get that. And mental health, uh, I think in the entrepreneurship space is a conversation that needs to be had more of because uh, there's an epidemic suicide rate uh, amongst entrepreneurs, right? There's a lot of stress in building a business. There's a lot of anxiety. And if you don't know where to place it or how to deflect it, it's going to weigh you down and eventually you're going to act out in your life in all types of addictions or worst case scenario, you taking your own life. So I really get that. Uh, I, I think that's powerful and a powerful conversation. All right, let's get into your story, Corey. Um, so what's your, your existing business right now? What do you specifically do? What's the problem you help people with? Who do you help? And what's the solution? What do you got? Wow, so I have multiple- I'm gonna give you 60 seconds for that answer because I need you to be concise and know your stuff. Yeah, well, and I have multiple businesses. So I, I'm gonna take one. I'll take the, I'll take, I'll take the core business that has been constant through the last 18 years. And that's uh, speaking to clients who typically will bring me in, mostly corporate and association type clients at their events. They'll bring me in to, it depends what their problem is, but they'll bring me in to, let's say, talk about why they had a bad year last year and what they can do about it. So essentially I'll come in, I'll do a survey beforehand because I want to make sure I'm personalizing it to them and their experience. Uh, I'll come in and speak at their event. They'll pay me to speak at the event and I'll essentially help their staff get through whatever that problem was. So my solution is to offer them strategy, but also motivation to turn the corner. Okay, got it. So what I'm hearing you say is you're kind of a, and I'm putting my own words to it, but you're a turnaround speaker. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you're a speaker absolutely. that comes in and helps a company turn around, whether it just be from last year's results to this year's or a big turnaround, right? But you're that guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you used that terminology because people love to say motivational speaker. And I struggle with that all the time because I'm not just there to get you excited. I'm not just there even to get you to take action. I'm there also to show you what the action is. And not, not all motivational speakers do that. So that's why uh, I like the turn, you know, I like the difference in terminology, turnaround speaker. I never heard that before. So <laughs> that's because I just created it. I just I coined it for you and I'm a gift it to you. There you are, sir. You can awesome. pay me royalties or not. It's totally up to you. Okay. So Corey, um, when you first started the business, I want you to go back in time, your speaker business. Uh, there's a lot of speakers listening to the show right now, right? That's their business model is getting on stages, bringing the value to those audiences, but they don't know how to monetize it. Many speakers, as you know, suck at monetizing their skill set. So uh, give me your top three tips or strategies that you use and that Startup Nation can use, whether it be in their speaking business or their other service type of business. What do you got? 
Uh, first thing I would say, let's say if, if it's their speaking business, now you can use this in other ones, but I'm going to say speaking is where this really comes to life. Uh, what I did early on, people asked me, what was the game changing moment? And, and to this point, I heard a number that less than 5% of speakers are making six figures speaking and less than 1% are making seven figures. Where that came from is Lisa Nichols, her company did a study and that's what they found out. And so here, to your point, uh, I didn't realize, Joseph, I started a speaking program helping people because people were coming to me so often saying, how are you getting paid? So here's the one game changer in that business for me was I started handing out my evaluation forms. Hand, these got to be handwritten evaluation forms, uh, not to send it in digitally because you'll only get 5% of those back. So what I would do is I would go to events and it took a while to craft the exact form I used. I would go to events. I would uh, bring my evaluation form, get permission beforehand, hand them out. And at the end of the event, Event, I would get people to fill them out. One of the questions on that event says, do you know of others who could bring me in for a similar topic or a similar talk to the one I delivered today? If so, can we follow up with you to find out who that is? That one thing brings in still to this day about 30% of my bookings. So, but here's the thing. When we talk about how can you use that, whether it's speaking or your business, whether you're looking to get paid speaking engagements or whether you're looking to actually bring in business, it, there's nothing stopping you regardless of the company or I say you're a realtor of going out and doing a talk and event and filling out evaluation forms, getting feedback. And by the way, the benefit to this too is you're getting tons of feedback to make sure you do it better the next time and all that kind of stuff. So that would be one thing is um, find a way to get feedback and get positive feedback. And that way you, um, you get uh, potential clients in the future, but you also know what to do better next time. That's one. I like it. I like it. What's your number two. And so I'm going to, I see somebody else is coming in the door here. So I'm going to get that taken care of too. Sorry. So Startup Nation, Corey right now is actually moving his entire office as we speak. I see people just bobbing behind him on the video camera here. Um, but this is the life of entrepreneurship is you show up, you keep your word, you're in integrity, regardless of what's going on around you. Go ahead, Corey. 100%. So, so number two, I would say is uh, delivering. And this one here can apply to any business. And very, it's very strategic, even though some people might think it's not at all. They might just think it's just something you do or what have you, but is uh, delivering massive value for somebody else before you take any value. And so let's talk about what that looks like in real life. It could be as simple as people often ask me, how did I get this person on my show? How did I interview this person? What I've done is I go to their, let's say social media presence, let's say Twitter, and I'll tag them in and I'll maybe post something from their book and say, you know, I love what Gary Vee said here. I love what he said about this. Or I'll say, um, if somebody, maybe it's not a big name, I'll say, um, just thought you might like this article based on what they teach and what they speak on or what they share. So, but the, their big takeaway there is to try to find a way to give value to others. Now, if you want to get in the good graces of a big influencer, then start sharing stuff of theirs and tagging them in saying, I love what Gary Vee said here. And I'm just using him as the example. Uh, but you can do this in any aspect of your business. Give first. It could be as simple as sending a copy of a book and saying, hope you enjoy this book. And here's what you can take from this book. And so that's, that's another thing I would say is find a way to give first and you'll find that people will be tripping over themselves to try to give back at some point. Now, here's the cool part. You and I chatted about this. If the give back doesn't happen, who cares? You're still giving first. Why? There's no bad to that. Why wouldn't you want to give to somebody else? But my experience is it always comes back. Yeah. So I really like what you said there, the way you position it, which is deliver massive value before you take any value. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's very important. A lot of people don't add that in because it's almost like taking value is a bad thing. Um, but you're actually saying, no, 
like, of course, we're all out for self, right? At the end of the day, you could pretend you're not and you're lying, right? But we all like, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? So you're showing up and you're saying, hey, I know value is going to come my way, but I'm not going to uh, intentionally take it um, until after I've deliver delivered so much value, then I'm going to do my ask. That's when I'm going to say, hey, by the way, you probably don't know I'm doing this. Would you be interested in coming on my show? Boom. But you've heard, now they already see, man, this is a guy of value. This guy just gave, 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 gave to me. You know what? Law of reciprocity. All right. Let me jump on his show. Absolutely. And I would go one step further. And this is, this is a personal choice because we know how much work's involved. But I would say even starting a podcast or starting a video show is a way, as you just said, you can give value because you can invite them onto your show. You can find a way to help them share their message. But the end result, as you know, uh, Joseph, is you'll connect with people on no other scale, in my experience, than when you give them value in this kind of intimate capacity. And so you'll get to know them really well. They might become your best client. I mean, there's so many things that come from that. But the reason I say choose wisely is because it's not for everyone. You know, I had Jordan Harbinger on the show one time, who, uh, of course, a lot of people would know either the Art of Charm he used to have or the Jordan Harbinger show, one of the biggest podcasters around. I asked him, what advice you would give to upcoming podcasters? He'd say, he said, don't start a podcast. He said, if you knew how much work was, went into it, he said, if I knew how much work went into it, I'd probably start on YouTube first because I could get a bigger audience in as much time as I put into this on a YouTube or another social video platform. So I say this only because I say this is a game changer. It can be a game changer, but no, there's a lot of work going into running a show like this. So you have to be willing to commit if you're going to do that, but it can be a sound strategy. All right. What do you got? What's your number three top strategy for Startup Nation right now? So I'm torn between two of them. The one I'll, I'll give is, is more on the personal side, but maybe that's good because the other two are more business applicable, if you will. Uh, keep feeding your mind long after you think you should stop feeding your mind. And so what I've discovered, even in interviewing the 5,000, as we said, plus high achievers, is the one thing they have in common is they're all committed to lifelong learning. And so... Um, I mentioned him earlier, I'll mention him again, but Jack Canfield shared one time, he was talking about being at a Tony Robbins event. And I brought it up to another guest who knew Jack after that show. And he said, yeah, it's funny you say that because I was at an event with Jack and Tony. Jack was speaking, or sorry, Tony was speaking, rather. Jack was in the audience taking notes like crazy, filling up a journal. Now, this is when Jack is, by the way, past mid-60s. He said there was a guy beside Jack at another table, 19 roughly, looking at his phone the whole time, not paying attention to Tony, and then looking over at Jack and shaking his head. And he said, what a visual. Jack, who probably doesn't need this information anymore, but still feels he does, is still learning. And this 19-year-old shut up learning. Who do you think is going to still be more successful than the next year? So my point of that, Joseph, is that even though it's not a business strategy per se, what I would say is make sure you have an informal or formal learning plan to make sure you continue to feed your mind. And so for me, every day, I uh, use the, I have this right here next to me, the Brendan Burchard Performance Planner. And in it, I write down, basically, um, read books. And I, hope, now I have two books I'm working on right now. The 10th Insight, which is the follow-up to the Celestine Prophecy, and uh, The Magic of Thinking Big. And I'm always usually reading two at the same time so I don't get bored, because that's the way my mind works. But the point of that is, and I read the, I'll read a chapter and a chapter of each one. And so the read books part is, I strike it off. I know I'm going to remember to do it, but I note it there. It's part of my plan each day to make sure I feed my mind. And that could be watching a TED Talk, could be listening to a podcast, but you should spend, in my opinion, at least 20 minutes every day feeding your mind. And if you do that, you'll find that uh, somebody, I think it was Brian Tracy said, if you do that, drive 20 minutes each way to work listening to a podcast, let's say, then within, I think it's something like he said, I can't remember the numbers now, but something like four years, 
or eight years, you'll have like a university degree just by listening 20 minutes a day. Mm. So that's a business strategy, in my opinion, because the stronger you get in terms of your mindset, the, uh, the better equipped you're going to be to get to that six figures or blow past it. All right. So I, I also was going to say that, right? I definitely think this is a business strategy startup nation. And so many times we think business strategy is only doing things externally um, outside, right? Out here, uh, but not doing the inner work. And I think when you do the inner work, right? This is why I do spiritual coaching is CEOs uh, of top companies. They come to me and hire me not because I'm better at them than business, far from it. They're way better at me than business, uh, in business than I am, way, way past. But I am able to help them tap into what is stopping them on the inside from really pouring out into this spiritual reservoir or overflow. Well, when I, we're able to unlock that or, or pop the cork, so to speak, uh, guess what happens? They show up completely different and powerfully in their businesses. So like you couldn't have a more impactful st business strategy, in my opinion, than doing the bleeping inner work on yourself. That's the game changer for everything. What shows up for you in that, Corey? Oh, I, no, I love that. And I'll add in that I read my, a lot of people don't know this. You said earlier, I, I share this publicly, but a lot of people don't necessarily hear me say it because it depends. I might share it in front of a live audience, but if they're not there, they wouldn't hear it. I didn't read my first book until I was 27, which was uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. And so I tried three books uh, in school, you know, the ones they recommend, The Kill a Mockingbird, Death of a Salesman. And I found, I'll just say, I found my way to get through those classes uh, without reading those books. And then I tried Stephen King's Cujo. And it wasn't that it was scary. The movie was terrifying. But the book wasn't scary to me. It just didn't pull me in. Quit after a chapter. Uh, then I didn't read another book. And, and the funny part is I used to say to my mother, I'm going to write a book. And she goes, well, I think you need to read one first. And so at 27, I read the first book cover to cover. And the reason I bring that up is because when people say what were pivotal moments where everything changed, and I'm talking, by the way, personally and professionally, that was one of those moments whenever I finally read that book, because to the point I said, I'm reading two books at once right now. You know, I hadn't read, I couldn't read a book cover to cover. I read the, the How to Win Friends over a weekend and it pulled me in so much that I read it again a second time. And I've often joked it's the first and second book I've read, ever read in my life. And, uh, and then the third book, by the way, was Think and Grow Rich that somebody recommended. Those aren't bad starting points. If you're going to start late, go in hard. <laughs> you know, Think and Grow Rich and How to Win Friends are pretty powerful. And by the way, I don't know if there's a synchronicity here, but both books were written in 1937. Look at that. That's your year. I guess All right. So. so Startup Nation, we're speaking with Corey Poirier. You can find him at thatspeakerguy.com, thatspeakerguy.com. He's sharing his top three tips and strategies for you to make your first 100K this year. Whether you're in the speaking business or another business, these are transferable strategies. So uh, strategy number one, he says, is handout evaluation forms after your talks or after your solution, whatever it is your product is. Make sure you're getting that feedback from your clients. And in your evaluation form, always ask for the referral. Who mm -hmm. else do you know? that may get value from what you just witnessed or experienced with me. That's critical. Number two, he says, deliver massive value before you take any value for yourself. That is also key. And number three, keep feeding your mind long after you think you've had enough. At least 20 minutes a day is the recipe. All right, so uh, I'm going to ask you now, Corey, to uh, we're gonna jump into our um, 
our hustle round. This is where I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. Uh, you're going to have three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Fantastic. But before we do, see what I did there? Intrigue frame. All right. Before we do, um, go ahead and share with us how much gross revenue did your business do uh, in the past 12 months approximately? Approximately, I'm going to say between 350 and four. 350 to 400,000 startup nation. Well done. Really great job. That's fantastic. And what are you tracking for the uh, next 12 months? What's the target there? Well, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you uh, two numbers. One is where I, I'd like to see a minimum. And then the one that uh, I've just spoken with my girlfriend and told her. So, uh, so the target for what I've told her is over seven. So over, yeah. uh, over a million. Um, minimum I'd like to see is 800. And, and that sounds, by the way, that sounds very optimistic, doubling in one year. Sure. But, if, but I've added a new business model, which is the Blue Talks. And even just within that, even what we've done in the last three months would show that that's very, you know, not just optimistic, it's very realistic. So you're tracking it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Congratulations on that. That's a great goal to, to double what you're doing, right? And Startup Nation, don't miss what he just said there. He put in the processes and systems in order to scale, right? It's not just wishful thinking. Oh, I really hope we double. If I just apply twice the effort, we're going to double. Or if I just 10x my effort, we're going to double. No disregard to Grant Cardone, but you also got to put in the systems and the processes so that you can double. Absolutely. Very, very important. All right. First question. What's your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? Freedom. What's your least favorite thing? <laughs> that one's tough. Uh, least favorite thing is the, uh, the long days. What are you most afraid of? Uh, that's tough. I don't, have, I don't have a big fear. I'm not a big fear guy. Um, I would just say uh, that I'm not, you know, that I'm going to not, I'm, I'm going to get complacent and not care as much. Yes. Yes. Sometimes we get smug and complacent, like, look what I did. Look at me. And then we kind of dial back on the gas pedal. And that's a very uh, dangerous place to be. Uh, what did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Chasing clients. And, and I say that, I'll say, say chasing revenue, meaning not just chasing, trying to like go after too many clients and put, you know, go all in on it, but also trying to chase the, the payment. You know, like trying to get the payment immediately because you need cash flow early on. But I think I could have done more business if I wasn't always trying to chase the payment and, and the receivable and stuff like that. Yeah, I get that one. What secret fear do you have about people? Uh, that they're probably that they're rooting for us to fail, even though the, the, ones, the ones that are telling us they're rooting for us to succeed are actually inherently rooting for us to fail. Sometimes they are, right? Because it'll make them feel better about their lack of effort. Yeah, I get that. And if you're being fully transparent right now, we all struggle with something as humans. What are you struggling with right now, whether it be personally or professionally? I think we have a two-year-old and I think I'm struggling with us never getting a full 100,000% full night's sleep. You know, and, and I'm lucky more than you know, some. I, I don't discount that because I get to travel. So I get every now and then I'll get to a hotel for a couple of nights and I get a full night's sleep. Uh, my girlfriend hasn't had a full night's sleep in two and a half years, but um, I'm home more these days, a lot more than normal. And yeah, not getting enough sleep. That's I get thing. that. And that impacts your day big time and your business. Uh, what do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? 
that you should start with more cash flow than you actually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no matter how much you have, I think you always should start with more. I mean, obviously there's a variable of somebody starting a tiny business that costs a thousand a month and they have a million plus sitting there, then that's different. But you know what I mean? 99% I of I would say start with too low cash flow. And I wish I would have knew that sooner and I would have maybe laid it, waited a little longer. Yeah, that makes sense. What's a new habit you want to form? The 5 a.m. club. I'm not saying I'm going to get there, but I would like to form it. That's, that's a goal. I like that you've made it a club. It just sounds like I, now I want in. All right, I, what's, you know what? I have to edit. That's a Robin Sharma book. So I, didn't, yeah. I, I took that from somewhere. There you go. What's a bad habit you want to break? Uh, <laughs> the opposite one. So I, no, truthfully, I mean, usually my days start around eight, but I'd like to, I mean, I'd like to break that habit. I mean, we, we just told, told you what the problem was, the not getting full night's sleep, but um, I'd like to break that habit and, and at least get to seven and then six and five as a, as a process. Well, I'm, rooting, I'm rooting for you on that. So pick three words to describe who you are now. Passionate, for sure. I would say ambitious. And I would say a split between reliable or loyal to a fault. Mm. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in this business. Well, I'm going to use anxiety because I, you know, I talked about that and, and I mean, I'm sure I still carried some of that being anxious in your first year. Uh, I would say, um, I don't know what the word for this is, but I was too in the business. I was living in the business rather than on the business. Consumed. Consumed. Yeah. Let's use that. And, uh, and maybe to some degree, um, overwhelmed, but by my own doing, because I was so passionate. I just kept going. Like I was the energizer bunny. Yeah. Startup nation, too much passion sometimes is not a good thing, right? You got to make sure you're always filling yourself back up, right? Otherwise you become what I call a spiritual supply pipe, right? You run out, but you don't leave anything for yourself. I, if I can share something, Joseph, this just ahead, real quick, but uh, Lisa Nichols, I mentioned, we interviewed her not that long ago and she said, and I love this. She said, you, don't, you shouldn't start giving to others and giving back to others until when you're filling that jug up and you have a saucer underneath, you, you fill from the saucer. You know, people that's, always say when it's full, no, no, you wait till it's overflowing. That's exactly it, right? And in my business, I call it spiritual reservoir. Yeah. And so many people, they go out there as a spiritual supply pipe and they're trying to pour into others and nothing's left for themselves and they eventually fall short and then boom, they start acting out in their life. And this is where you see like really successful people just crash and burn because they weren't at overflow yet. Absolutely. And they weren't pouring out from the extra. They were pouring out from, you know, what they needed for their own self, their own oxygen they were giving away. Very dangerous place. Last question. If you could come back to life after you died, Corey, look your family, your kid in the eye and give them only one piece of advice. What would you say to them? Live on purpose. Live on purpose, Startup Nation. Corey, any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about making their first 100K uh, this year? You know, this, this is a tough one. I would say that it's, I'm going to, this, I'm going to give a double-edged sword. It's easier than you think, and it's harder than you think, because it, it, it really comes down to not just, you know, systemizing it and figuring out what am I doing wrong and all those kind of things. But it also, this is the hardest part. It means that you have to start saying no to some things so that you can say yes to other things. So the, the wording I would use on it is say no to the mo- most of the things that don't move the needle. So you can say yes to a few things that do. But it takes people so long to discover this. So you'll start getting busier as you get closer to 100K. 
And then most people will just say yes to everything and try to figure out how to do it all. So what I'm going to say is figure out how to say no. First of all, what do you say no to? Then how do you actually say no to people? But the more no's you say, um, the better and stronger yeses you're going to be able to say. And what I've seen in these interviews with these highest of achievers is they say no. And I don't know the number, Joseph, so I'm just going to throw a number out. I would say on average 10 times minimum more than the average person says no. I agree with that so much. And I've seen the biggest shifts in my growth um, as a business owner and my revenues, et cetera, when I am constantly saying no and rejecting people and projects and offers. And I only say yes to what moves the needle, as you said. Only say yes to what moves the needle, Startup Nation. That's the key. All right. What's the best way for Startup Nation to get in touch with you if they choose? Uh, so the best options would be two places. One, as you said it already, that's speakerguy.com. That's really easy. And why I mentioned that one is you can get my social media links, all that other kind of funky stuff there. See my TEDx talks, uh, articles are there, stuff like that. The other option, which is really a freebie, so that one, you might want to go there first. Uh, but it's a book called The Book of Public Speaking that I wrote to teach people not just how to speak in public, but how to influence. And so I like to give that away as a digital copy to listeners of the show. And if you want to grab that easy website to remember, thebookofpublicspeaking.com. Love it. And Startup Nation, if you want to check out the blog that we wrote for this show, normally I, we take this interview um, with Corey and now we're going to go and write it out in written word for you because I know some of you love the spoken word, you love listening to the show, but then others of you love reading it. And Corey spoke about reading today, right? And how valuable that is. So if you want that, go to josephwarren.net forward slash first 100k blog no spaces in between no hyphens so josephwarren.net forward slash first 100k blog or just check the nav bar and the drop down and just click on that blog and you're going to get this this show but with a like a deeper story to it right we just kind of embellish what Corey spoke about so Corey, great job today thank you for joining me on your first 100k you're a rock star my friend i wish you god's love peace and joy in your life, my friend. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Joseph. And the feeling is a 100% mutual. Thank you. Cheers. Are you a dad over 40? Are you overeating, over drinking, or failing your family? Brother, if you're overweight, watching porn, or drinking more than once a week, then listen up. If you're struggling in your marriage or finances, you've lost your power as a man. What's even worse is that other men can smell weakness on you. When a man lacks confidence, he stinks of weakness. People could smell it on him a mile away. People and opportunities will avoid him because he's carrying a deadly disease called powerlessness. Remember back when you used to feel invincible, you were in your power, when you were unstoppable, back when you were the man? But how do you feel now, brother? Are you tired all the time, unmotivated, stressed, worried about the future? So what the heck changed? What happened to you? I'll tell you, you became undisciplined. You've been slipping for years, haven't you? You eat like crap, you half-ass your workouts, your health is slipping, your finances are slipping, your marriage is slipping, your parenting is slipping, your confidence is slipping. A pile of slips leads men to a big fall. How do I know? Because I'm you, brother. You are me, I am you. Brother, you're out of power. I'm in my power. Let me help you get your power back. Apply for our shredded father's brotherhood where husbands, dads, and businessmen over age 40 are getting shredded and staying ripped for life. 
Go to shreddedfathers.com. Limited spots are available. Brother, your wife and kids are waiting for you to step up and lead them. Brother, wake up. Move.